also continuing a series that we started uh, just several weeks ago called Viral, and um, we're studying the book of Acts. So I want to pick up on that series today. We're on about uh, Acts chapter 16, which is, I think, the seventh message uh, in this series. And uh, we've been talking about how things spread virally, in other words, things that move far and move fast. And so um, I thought certainly technology fits that bill. Fifteen years ago, if you had a cell phone, all you could do with it was text and call. Anybody remember that? Remember flip phones? Crackberries? You remember, remember all that, right? Well, well, then things progressed pretty quick in 15 years. Now you can you know, watch movies, play video games, take pictures, take video, connect with anyone in the world, and access all publicly held knowledge instantaneously. You know, small changes, little things. Fifteen years ago, uh, we used what uh, a lot of you won't recognize who are under 30. Uh, they used to call it a map. Uh, things that you would use to navigate on paper. How many of you ever pulled over to Stuckey's to buy a state map? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Stuckey's? Yeah, she gone. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's any of those left. No maps left. You'd buy a state map and try to work your way around a new, a new state. I remember when I went to college, I thought... I'd never traveled too much outside of my home area and maybe a couple of adjoining states, and I was driving 830 miles away to the central Florida, and I thought, I'm going to fix this. Uh, I went in Salem's Club one day, and they had this uh, massive atlas that had every state in America and then major metro areas broken out. You haven't lived till you've been on a trip and you have to pull over about 39 times and try to look at an atlas that's microscopic. Anybody remember those days? That, that's how we used to navigate. Now you just say, navigate to, and it tells you what to do. In 10 years, there won't be an American left that knows how to find their way anywhere without a GPS. 15 years ago, we used to listen to um, music on CDs. They're like miniature records. Now, if you want to hear your favorite song, you just tap into your Spotify account, and you have instant access to a library of music from, you know, eight decades. Fifteen years ago, well, not quite 15 years ago, but in 2006, Facebook opened to the public. 2004, it opened to a private group of people underground in a university campus. In 2006, it went public, and I don't even have to explain to you what happened since then, right? Because most of you are addicted to Facebook now and couldn't imagine a day in your life without it. Fifteen years ago, if you wanted to read a book on a trip, you had to think very carefully about, I wonder how many pages I'm actually going to have time to read, and which books am I really going to be in the mood to read when I go, because if you're not careful, you will just uh, uh, overpack your suitcase and be dragging around a concrete block of books everywhere you go, and if you take four, five, six, eight books, you know, it, it could be a lot of weight. Now, if you have a Kindle... You can put 11,000 books on the hard drive of the Kindle and take them anywhere in the world, and it weighs, you know, maybe, maybe a pound or two. And, uh, and if you can connect to the Internet, of course, you can access millions of books. Fifteen years ago, if you wanted to start a new business, you had to borrow money from a bank. Now what you do is you just do crowdfunding, Right? You use, or go fund me or whatever. And uh, I don't know if you've looked up the kind of money that those things have brought in, 
but, but millions, hundreds of millions of dollars has been raised through crowdfunding. If you wanted a ride 15 or 20 years ago, you'd have to call a cab. Now what you do is you go online and you get an Uber, which is somebody else's car, that they're going to rent to you for an hour. They're going to drive you somewhere, or you rent someone else's house when you're on vacation, or you rent someone's time to bring you groceries from neighborhood Walmart because you don't have time to go get them. Technology in 15 years has changed the way we do everything. And to me, technology itself is just a good example of how something has gone viral. In other words, it has spread far and it has spread fast. And that's what this series is about. We've been studying the book of Acts, which covers the first 30 years of the church. And the church went from a small gathering of people in Jerusalem, and it spread far, and it spread fast to nine different islands and different cities and different countries. And where we pick up in Acts chapter 16, we have Paul the Apostle on his second missionary journey. He's been sent by the Holy Spirit to plant churches and to share Jesus with people who've never met him. And he's going from city to city to city to city, talking to people about Jesus and planting churches and raising up leadership in the church. And, and what we've been learning is the church has actually gone viral. So the question we've been asking is, what caused the church to spread so fast and so far? And we've been answering that question as we've studied the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 16, if you have something to write with, I encourage you to take a couple notes. I only have two points this morning, and I'm going to give you the first one now, and then I'm going to unpack it for a few minutes and show you uh, where this comes from in Acts 16. Number one, God's power follows God's mission. You couldn't even explain the book of Acts without understanding God's power. There would be no viral church without God's power. The question is, though, what does God use his power for? God uses his power for his mission, and his mission is to save people from their sins and to bring them into a right relationship with God the Father. So that's what God uses his power to do. Now, in Acts chapter 16, we meet three people who have had an encounter with the power of God, and we can see in each of their lives how God was using his power to touch their life, to bring them out of darkness and into a relationship with the Father and a relationship of forgiveness. So let me just quickly give you those three as a background, and then we'll jump deeper into the middle of Acts 16. The first one is a lady named Lydia. So through a dream... Paul the Apostle was going city to city and had no plans to go to um, Macedonia. But in the middle of a dream, the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and, and basically said, I want you to go to Macedonia. So for people who say, does God speak through dreams, the answer is, yes, he does. So uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul, so they changed course. They went to Macedonia. On Sunday, they went outside the city to a river to pray because there was no church. So they just went by the river to pray, and there they met a group of ladies who were gathered there, and that's where Paul met Lydia, Acts 16, 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira. You think you, where you live is remote. Man, you hadn't been there until you've been to Thyatira. Named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. Apparently she was an LSU fan. She was 
a worshiper of God. Now, that doesn't mean she was a Christian. It means she was probably a Jew, but she wasn't a Christian. Watch this. The Lord opened her heart. Paul didn't open her heart. Some, some group didn't open her heart. God supernaturally used his power in that moment to invisibly and quietly, unbeknownst to anybody around her, to open her heart. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So God's power was working to reach Lydia that Paul had been sent to through a dream. All right, that's the first person. Here's the second one. There was a slave girl. A little later, Paul and his group met a slave girl who had an evil spirit living inside of her. Some people ask her, evil spirit's real. The answer is yes. So she was being used as a fortune teller so that her owners could make money off her. She followed Paul and his group for days, shouting, these are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She was just following them around and saying that over and over and over and over. In Acts 16, 18, you, you can read what happened. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. So what do we see? God's power is at work to bring this broken woman out of darkness into the light, to set her free from bondage. Now here's the last one, and uh, this person is the jailer. This is where we're going to spend our time this morning. The slave girl's owner, owners weren't happy because when the spirit came out of her, they could no longer make money off her in fortune-telling. So they weren't happy about that, and this town was so messed up, that these guys went and found Paul and Silas, and they drug them before the magistrates, and then the crowd turned on them, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So, verse 23. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. So, uh, so all, all that happened is, is God's power worked through Paul to liberate a woman who was in bondage and darkness... And people didn't like that, so they stripped them, beat them, put them in prison. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. I don't know why. Maybe more people would get liberated, and we couldn't have that. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. So they're not only in jail, they're in the inner jail. They're not only in the inner jail, their feet are actually fastened down. These guys aren't getting away. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want you to remember that part. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, here comes God's power. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword because he knew if those prisoners escaped, he was responsible. And so what he was actually going to do is he was going to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. So the jailer called for the lights, he rushed in and, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he says to them, what must I do to be saved? 
And if you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that not only did the jailer get saved, his family got saved. They baptized them probably in the prison courtyard. They went to the jailer's house. The jailer dressed their wounds, cleaned them, fed them dinner. And now you have brothers and sisters in Christ having a meal who a few hours earlier was a prison guard carrying over prisoners. So God's power sent an earthquake to fulfill God's mission of reaching the guard. So here's what you have. Here's the three people. You have Lydia, the Lord opened her heart. You have the slave girl, the spirit was cast out. And you have the jailer who God's power sent an earthquake. So God's power was at work to bring Jesus to these people. Now, now why are we making a point out of it this morning? Because we, we are so uh, tempted and we are so easily distracted by supernatural and phenomenal things. When we see something supernatural, we're tempted to focus on it rather than Jesus or his mission. We're easily distracted by the sensational. We have a tendency to be drawn to flashy people and dramatic events and carried away by phenomenal things. People will drive all the way across America to see the, this one side of a piece of bread that looks like it has Jesus' face on it and a grilled cheese or a bagel. Or maybe it looks like Mary, and maybe she has a teardrop or something like that. And something happens, and the next thing you know, what we want to do is invite all our Christian friends to come look at it. And if, you, if we're not careful, what we become is Christian rubberneckers. You know where traffic jams on the interstate come from? Rubberneckers. You ever been in traffic for about an hour, bumper to bumper, and you get up next to it and you go, nothing's even blocking the road. What happened? Now here's what happened. Right? Breaker! Are you going to help? No, I just want to see. Move. <laughs> right? And that's what happens to us sometimes in Christianity is something awesome happens and rather than saying why is God doing this what is God trying to accomplish with it what we do is we say hey let's go get everybody and come look at it and, and, and we become sort of Christian rubberneckers we tend to congregate around miraculous things which makes me wonder do we really understand the purpose of God's power God's power is for God's mission so, so let, let me take it a, a little step further, okay? Uh, some of you won't even remember this. You weren't even born then, but some of you will. So in the late 90s, a revival broke out at uh, a Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola. We lived about 50 minutes away, so, so I, I had some experience with it. And a lot of great things happened. But, but here's my challenge. What we begin to see is bumper stickers all over American cars saying, hey, the river is here, the river is here, the river is here. So what did we do? We all got charter buses. We left our churches. We, and most of those people who got those were already saved. They left their lost community. They left the... Hello? <laughs> yes? Are we back? All right. I can't explain that. The, they, uh, they left the lost people in their community. They left the mission of God in their city. And they chartered buses. And they came to the river. Now, now, I just want you to see for a minute. Now, look, I, I want you to see this for a minute. Why does it matter that we're talking about it? Because Paul and Silas had the exact opposite philosophy. 
They weren't looking for God's power in a meeting somewhere. They were looking for God's power in the street. They went from city to city to city looking in the eyes of people who had never met Jesus and they were looking for God's power at work inside their life. They were looking for God's power in the mission. Now look, I'm not picking a fight with anybody. I don't want to fight anybody. I'm not in the mood. Look, I'm not picking on Brownsville. There's a lot of good things that came from it. I went to some of the services and I was a part of some of that. But the problem was it was an incomplete expression of what God wants the church to be and it almost killed that church. What was the aftermath of that revival? $11.5 million in debt. That's what happened when the revival was over. They went from 50 staff members to 6 staff members. The new pastor who arrived in 2006, who, by the way, is still there, he stayed. Let me tell you what he said. He said it's a blessing from God that the church has survived this long. It's the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in 30 years of ministry. Here's what else he said. This revival touched the world, but it did not touch this community. I'm I'm not criticizing them, or I don't know what I would have done if I was in their place. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is we have to talk about it because we have to get it right because what's at stake is eternal life. So we have to get it right. It is important that we understand the difference. It's much easier to touch the Christian community than it is the lost community because the Christian community wants to be touched. And all you have to do is make more noise than everybody else and Christians will come gathering around like rubberneckers at the interstate. But God's power is not designed to gather believers together but to send them out. God's power is designed to touch people who are lost. It's a lot easier to draw a crowd of Christians. You go try to wrestle an atheist over their faith. Now you need God's power. You don't need God's power to convince somebody who's already convinced. You need God's power to look in the eye of a broken, lost, empty, confused, beaten down, in bondage, filled with... That's when you need God's power. And that's what God gave us power for. You want to see God's power work? Start praying for people you know who are far away from God. Ask the Holy Spirit to open doors for you to minister to them. Ask him to tell you what to say, because I don't know what to say, and you probably don't know what to say, but the Holy Spirit knows what to say. And when when he opens the door, he'll tell you what to say. Share your testimony with them. Invite them to church with you. Every growing uh, church on earth has one thing in common. They're focused outward on the mission. Every declining church on earth has one thing in common. They're focused inward on themselves. Before any church loses God's power, it's already lost God's mission. Because God's power follows God's mission. So what is our mission? I put it for you here on the screen. 83.2%. What does that mean? That is the percentage of Shelby County residents that are not in a worship service this weekend. That's the mission. That's the mission. 
Every power in the universe, spiritual, physical, natural, economic, political, cultural, relational, and others are at work to pull us off that mission. I've heard so many things that people are urgent about. Facilities and programs for certain groups and security and services and better services and counseling and more groups and better groups. And, but in 25 years of ministry, no one has ever come to me and said, the people in this community are going to hell and they're moving away from God and I want to know what we're going to do about it as a church. No one's ever said that to me, ever. What, is, what does that mean, you think? We're urgent about so many things. What do you think God is urgent about? He's urgent about what he's given his power to. What was it that motivated God to send his only son, Jesus, to suffer and die? It was separation and distance. He can't stand it. God will give anything to close the gap between him and his lost sons and daughters. Matter of fact, he's already given everything. Why? God's power follows God's mission. Do you want the other point? <laughs> Are we still friends? Number two. Thank God there's only one more. God's presence prepares you for God's mission. Okay, here we go. Did you catch the part of the story that God supernaturally sent an earthquake? And the foundation of the prison shook and all the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. If I had been there, it would have been like somebody had opened a chicken coop. I'd have flown out every direction. I'd have said, Silas, we're going to go plant a church in a different city. We gone. Wouldn't you? I mean, if your feet were in stocks and you'd already been stripped and beaten and put in prison, when those doors came open, what would you do? I'd be gone. I'd run. That's right. I would run. And I'd say, Silas, you better run fast because I'm going to outrun you. They might get us, but they ain't going to get all of us because <laughs> I'm gone. But they stayed. Why did they stay? That guard, listen, who God loves, was about to commit suicide. Here's the question. Where did Paul and Silas get the vision and the strength to stay there instead of running away? Well, I'm going to propose my theory to you. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. The other prisoners were listening. You ever been up about midnight? You ever been walking the floors about midnight because you can't sleep? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know how you're going to get through. You got a problem and you don't know the solution and you can't sleep and you're filled with anxiety and you're filled with fear and you're filled with doubt and you're struggling and you're just walking the floors up about midnight wondering what's going to happen tomorrow when day breaks. You ever been there? Man, I've been there. And as you begin to pray and as you begin to, and as you begin to worship a little bit, Something happens. You begin to surrender your fear and you begin to surrender the unknown and you begin to let go of your agenda and your, and your worry and God begins to fill your heart with his purposes. 
And so I just want to say to you that I think I know where the vision came from. It came from the presence of God that met them in that jail cell. Had they not had that moment of prayer and worship, I think when the doors opened, they'd have left. That's how it works. If you don't meet with Jesus before you meet with people, you're going to misunderstand the purpose of God's power. God's presence prepares you for God's mission. Where, where would I get something like that? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive... What's the power for? Look, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth, if your worship isn't breaking your heart for the loss, you're doing it wrong. If your worship isn't sending you deeper into Shelby County to find out what in the world's going on with that 83% of people that aren't in a church service this weekend. Then, 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 then you aren't fully meeting God. Because here's how it works. God's presence will change you, his power will fill you, and his power will follow you as you move toward the mission of God. You know why the church went viral? Because it refused to allow God's power to be about anything else but God's mission. They weren't going to do a circus act. They weren't going to take it on the road and travel. They weren't going to create some big thing. Everybody come and watch. They weren't going to do any of that. They were laser focused on the heart of a person that needed to be set free and needed to be brought into wholeness and healing and freedom and a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And they weren't going to let it be about anything else. Four years ago, God began to speak to our hearts about doing renewal here at Kingwood. And, and I began to, uh, I went through a season of prayer and fasting and seeking God about six months. And during that time, God spoke to my heart that he wanted to do a work of spiritual renewal here at Kingwood Church. August of 2015, I started to talk to other people about that and say, hey, would you pray with me? This is what I think God is saying and asking us to do. And so we started talking about it. We started praying about it. We started teaching about it. And in spring of 2016, I was doing a prayer walk on our campus. I used to walk a lot in the evenings around our campus and do a prayer walk. And um, I came over the hill, and I saw in one of the parking lot islands out here on our campus a goose. Anybody remember, anybody remember that goose? Do you remember that goose? Yeah. I saw a goose, if you were here four years ago, I saw a goose that, that had um, built a nest in a parking lot island and was setting on eggs, and I thought, hon, you found the wrong spot. It's empty today, but man, Sunday, you're going <laughs> to be cars everywhere, you know? And so, so we got a picture of it. There's the goose. We put a little police tape, you know, over the top to try to say, hey, careful. You know, mom's at work here. Leave mom alone. And so mom camped out in our parking lot. But, but as I saw that goose, listen, listen to this. God spoke to my heart. And he said to me, it's a new season at Kingwood. I'm doing a work of renewal, and this goose is a sign that I'm going to make Kingwood Church fruitful again. We've been through, we don't have time to tell the story, we've been through a lot. Been through a, a very, very hard time. Well, the goose and I became friends. And so when I'd walk the property, I'd, I'd pray. Many evenings, I'd see the goose. And then I found myself going to check on her to make sure. Are you still there? Are you okay? Are the eggs okay? You know, I was a little mother hen and over thinking, I want the goose to be okay. 
kind of got attached to the little goose. And as I passed that goose, I'd pray, Lord, if this is what you're saying, and I believe it is, Lord, I'll follow you. And I'll do everything I can do to encourage other people to follow you. And then on April 24th, 2016, a little goose hatched little chicks in that island right out, right out here. By, by, if you're a guest today, not far from guest parking. And after church, I went by to see that little goose on that Sunday. I still remember it, and here's why. Um, I didn't know the chicks had hatched, but I went out there and looked, and I thought, oh, isn't this, isn't this something? And, um, and then, and then it, it rang in my soul again what the Lord had said. Because on that day, we had happened to have a water baptism, and we had baptized 12 people. And I said, the Lord is making Kingwood Church fruitful again. Well, four years later, last week, I got the privilege of standing in a swimming pool with 123 people in Panama City, Florida. And 22 teenagers came through one at a time, and we spent about an hour sharing water baths. Some of you saw the videos and some of you streamed it live and it was one of the most powerful water baptism services I've ever been a part of in my life. Some of those kids came through and shared either their small group leader or themselves shared stories that would just rip your heart out. And I was, as I was standing in the water, it was just wrecking me inside because my mind went back to the day I saw that goose and God said, I will make Kingwood Church fruitful again. And he's doing it. And he's continuing to do it. And let me tell you how he's doing it. God is raising up a movement of young people. Now let, let me tell you why. Historically, God uses young people. Let me give you a few examples and then we'll, we'll end. In 1806... Five college students gathered in a field in Massachusetts to pray for the spiritual condition of people in Asia. And when those five people gathered, a storm came up. And it came up so quickly, they ran and, and uh, hid behind a stack of hay. And somehow in that storm and in that prayer time, God grabbed their heart and that storm left as quick as it came. And when they came out, they said, we have absolutely got to commit our lives to sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. And those five college students became probably something you've never heard of, the Haystack Group. That's the beginning of missions work in America. And from those five college students, um, in the next 50 years, well, let me say it this way. Four years later, they sent their first missionary to India. 50 years later, those five students had built influence and had sent 1,250 missionaries all over the world. In 1886, D.L. Moody held a Bible study conference. At that conference, he, a man named Arthur Pearson challenged 250 college students from 87 colleges to evangelize the entire world and their generation. 
100 students volunteered to serve as missionaries during that conference. Now, let me give you the history. Here it is. I'll put it on the screen. 1886, 100 students volunteered. Next year, 87, 2,106 students volunteered. And eight, by 1888, two years later, 5,000 students had volunteered. By 1945, 20,500 students had been placed on the mission field. Because God uses he uses everybody. But when you begin to see God move among young people, mark it down, God's moving. This past February, you might have never heard of this. There was a, an event in Orlando called The Send. And at The Send, 60,000 people gathered for The Send. And, and here, here's a... a a little picture. Th these are kids in the stadium holding their shoes up saying, yes, God, I'll go wherever you send me at the send. Now, now, it's a little long, but let me read to you what one of the organizers of the event said. The send is ultimately a war on inaction. Let me, let me um, rephrase that on rubbernecking. It's to me a twofold beautiful experience. Number one, we're gathering here to be in the presence of Jesus, to truly encounter him, and then be sent from his presence to take his actual person to our cities, to our towns, to our neighborhoods, to our families, to our marriages. It sounds like the book of Acts. It sounds like viral. Some to the mission field and some to their own workplace. The send is an ascending movement from the presence to the world under the glory of Jesus. Here's what Lou Engle said, who's another one of the leaders. He said, we believe this day something will transfer and bring us into, I believe, worldwide transition into the greatest Jesus movement we've ever seen. Do you know what this event, do you know what this event was? It was an event planned, specifically planned, after the death of Billy Graham. Because leaders in the church saw a transference from one generation to another one, and the death of Billy Graham would be the mark of that. God's not just moving at Kingwood Church. <laughs> Renewal is happening in a generation. And when you see God moving in young people, you know, you know a move is coming. Do you know what a move of God produces? A movement. And you know what a movement does? It changes people's lives. It's not an event. It's not a spectacular. It's not a moment. It's not a grilled cheese with Jesus' face on it. It is the power of God transforming people's lives from people who have been in God's presence moving out. You want a move of God? Then move with him. This morning as we as we close, I want to have a I want to have a time of uh, I want to have a time of worship. And what I want to do is I want to um, I want us to gather together in God's presence. And I want to see if maybe our hearts would be open enough as we think about what's going on in our country and you know where our nation is headed spiritually and in every other way. I just wonder if we are in God's presence together, if, we, if our hearts can be captured again so that God's, God's power, God's presence can fill our hearts.
so that we'd be sent again. Starting with this 83% of Shelby County, but ultimately to the whole world. So here's what I want to ask, okay? I said, when you see God moving in young people, you know, you know, you know a move's coming. So here's what I want to ask. I know we have smaller children in the room, and parents, you just make, you make the decision that you should make for your kids, okay? Because I know some of them are smaller, you might not want to let them move by themselves, and I totally understand that. If, but if you are 30 years old or, and younger, okay? Now, some of you would be speaking evangelistically. I don't mean that. We're not talking about hope, what age you hope you are. Your birth certificate would say you're 30 years old or younger. I want you to come and join me on stage. I want you to come and join me here. Because I want to show, show you something. 30 years old and younger. And parents, so you might have a six or seven or eight year old that you want to let them come. And you might have a smaller one that you don't want to. And that's okay. I want to show you something. Look at this. Look at this. You, you, you'll have to keep going. You'll have to keep going. Keep pushing it back. Yeah, keep pushing it back. Keep pushing back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. How about that? Oh, yeah, here's some more. Yeah, let's, let's wait. Hey, there's time. We can wait. What are all us old people going to do now? That's what I want to know. Look, can, can we bring the lights up a little bit more on the stage? Is there a way to do that? So we can see. Come on, man. Yeah. Check that out. So, so here's what I want to say to you, okay? Because I've been you. As hard as it is to believe. I've been you. And I was a young person whose heart was empty and who was searching for something. And when I look in our world today, I see a generation of people who are desperately looking for something significant enough to give their whole life to. And boy, the next political season has already started. And you know it's going to be ugly. It's going to be divisive and it's going to be ugly. And, and, and people are looking as families are breaking down and marriages are breaking down and society keeps breaking down and people are staring into their screen hour after hour after hour after hour hoping, just hoping that they'll find something meaningful in that screen to give their life to. My challenge to you in this hour is give your life to Jesus and to the move of God because he is moving and all you have to do is step into that river. That's all you have to do. And I, I promise you, I promise you the most fulfilling life that you've ever lived will be the life you live when you give your whole self to Jesus. I promise. I promise. It, 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 he, he will not revoke his promises. And he said, I came to give you life and give you abundant life. So Kingwood Church is a place where we welcome young people and embrace you and love you and say, 
under God's grace, we need you because here's where the move of God starts. It starts in you. So um, now, everybody who's um, been saved, now if you're already here, just stay, but if you've been saved 30 years or less, would you come and just meet us here at the, at the altar? We're going we're gonna, to um, have, a, have a prayer and worship time together, okay? 30 years or less, you've been a believer. 30 years or less. You've been saved 30 years or less. Man, I'm trying to add up now. Where would I be? Boy, they're, they're running by like lines now. Come on. Yeah, look at this. Isn't this cool? Can, can, do you all mind spreading out some more? There's some more. Children trying to, I want everybody to try to make it to the front. 30 years or less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's where it starts. This group has the passion, but you have the strength. You have the strength to help sustain. You have the strength and the muscle. You've been through some stuff. <laughs> you've, got some, you've got some responsibilities on your life. But the strength to sustain a move of God is in this group. Here's the passion. Here's the strength. Now, for those of you who've been saved, and, and, and this, is, this is something. Can you bring the house lights back up? Sorry, we didn't coordinate this very well, did we? Because I want everybody to see here. I want you to look at how many people in this church have been saved. And by the way, I'm in your group. Have been saved over 30 years. I want you to look. I want you to look. Look around. Look at that. This is a rarity, and this is where our wisdom comes from. And this is not something to say, this is not a negative thing. This is an incredible thing to celebrate. This is where the roots and the foundation and the stability in Kingwood Church comes from. This is where the wisdom comes from. And so would you just stand where you are, and what we're going to do is we're going to worship together. And what I want you to do is, as we're worshiping, I want you to just whisper a prayer for this group. Because here's what you've done. Most of you by this point, you've, you've graduated your kids, you've, you've survived some of those pressure years, you've moved along in life, and, um, and this group needs your wisdom. And this group needs the experience and the skill that you've developed across your lifetime. This group needs the, the, the tender hand on their shoulder to say, I know what you're going through, and I've been through it. But by God's grace, you're going to make it. That's what this group needs. So if you'll pray for them, and if you guys will pray for them, we're actually going to sing a song. Where Charmaine, are you back there? There you are, girl. Hey, appreciate you. So we're going to sing this song called, This is a Move. And as we pray, man, as we worship, man, I want us to just believe in our heart and sing together today and cry out to God and say, God, do a move. Do a move. Would you go ahead and start to lead us, Charmaine? For those of you on stage, you can see the words here. 
everybody else can look there. That's what we see.
that you've given to the kingdom of God and to this church and to these families. And God, we pray today that you would send a move. Lord, that you would send a move. You have sent a move. You are moving. We're moving in renewal and we receive it and walk in it. God, as we surrender to you today, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. Help us to see it. Help us to hear it. God, I pray that you would you'd continue to spark and fire up. And those 22 baptisms we just celebrated are the beginning. You're just getting started. I can't wait to see what happens next. God, move today. Move today. Come on. Come on and pray. Stretch your hands out. Lord, we pray you'd move today. Call. Lord, call. Speak. Lord, speak to the heart. Lord, penetrate through the mind. Set free. Bring freedom, Lord. As we just, as we just uh, worship today, as we soak in your presence, God, may your presence go and guide and send us. Come on and pray for us, sending. God, send this generation. Lord, now we, let's pray for this group who's been saved 30 years and less. God, we pray that you would continue to heal, strengthen, raise up, God, we pray today, everybody praying for this group now, Lord, we pray that you would send, we pray that you would stir up, we pray that you'd give a vision and a passion in your presence, we'd understand what it is you've called us to be and do, we pray that you'd heal marriages, God, that healing would come and forgiveness would come, and as the scars of life have compounded, God, that you would heal and reconcile and recover, restore. And don't, don't allow the enemy to take out the strength of the church, the muscle of the church. But God, that you'd surround, set us on new ground today. 
about sin. And would, and would, you, would you all just stretch your hands to these who've walked in the faith for 30 years or longer. God, we thank you today that we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. People who've walked with you for decades and generations, who've known your hand and known your faithfulness. God, we pray that you would keep them. We pray for health and life and vitality and purpose. God, we pray that you would let the legacy that they've given rise in front of their eyes so it could be seen and celebrated. God, we pray that you would pour out and connect. Connect with this movement. Connect with this sending. God, we pray there would be one unified revival cry. One movement. Not many movements. One movement. Lord, we want in on it. Lord, touch today. Holy Spirit, I ask you before we go to put your hand on us the way that you did Paul and Silas in the jail that night. And as we move out of this place and we move into all kind of different relationships and environments, that your presence will prepare us to know what to do when the doors open and the shackles fall off. Lord, help us to know what to do. We need you. This county needs you. This nation needs you. Send us in your power and presence. In Jesus' name.